Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. a delight to be in this space with you all today. Let us pray. Now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts gathered here now be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a surprising joy that comes with being the one to preach this series on April Fool's Day. In part because I know the quality of preacher that you all bring each year. In part because the whole walk to the cross seems like one long, cruel joke. The disciples don't want to believe it's true. Maybe this is why they repeatedly respond to Jesus the way they do. Jesus predicts his death for a third time in Mark's gospel. He tells the disciples, we're going up to Jerusalem and it's going to happen. You're going to see me handed over. You're going to see me condemned to death. And they respond by saying, hey, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. When your glory comes, put us on either side of you. Give us the seats of honor. Show everyone we're your favorites. When confronted with his pain, Jesus' friends say all the wrong things. Jesus speaks, but his friends won't listen. Jesus tells them what's happening, but they know better. Jesus and Job have this in common. Long ago, in a faraway land called Uz, there lived a man named Job. By all accounts, Job is a righteous and wise man. He's careful, calculated, committed. He follows all the rules, prays all the prayers, fulfills all his obligations. He even offers sacrifices beyond what's required, just in case. God is pleased with Job. Satan, on the other hand, is not convinced. Of course, Job is devoted to you, God. You've given him everything. He's never suffered a day in his life, never had a real worry, never a real hurt. You bless everything the man does. But if you took it all away, I'm telling you, God, his faithfulness would wane. Let life get a little hard for Job. See if he won't curse you 
to your face. Believing more in Job than his accuser, God takes the bet and the story spins on. Job loses possessions, family, health. He is devastated. The story of Job sounds like one long, cruel joke between God and Job's accuser. His friends come to visit. They can't believe it. Sitting silently at first, teaching second, joining Satan third, they make charges against their friend, and he defends himself until he can take it no more. Job turns to God for answers, then turns silent, waiting on a word from the Lord. He will say nothing more until he hears from the one who made him. And God shows up. From the eye of the storm, God comes to speak to Job. The story's scope widens quickly and dramatically as God moves us out of Job's living room, away from his friends, and away from Job's particular plight to tell us a much larger story. God tells of the foundations of the earth, the great waters, the wild animals. God speaks of the goats who live to climb steep mountain peaks and the donkeys who run far from the shepherd's shout. God speaks of the buffalo who is strong and beautiful and has no interest in tilling fields for humans or spending the night in their barns. God tells of the ostrich who is covered in feathers yet cannot fly but laughs at the horse and rider as he speeds on past them. God speaks of the hawk that hunts, and the eagle that soars above us in the clouds. God says all this and more, as if it answers any of Job's questions. God says all this and more, as if it has anything to do with Job at all. Plenty have read God's retort as a power play dismissive of Job's pain. They imagine that God's retort is a power play, the Almighty standing over Job, making him feel smaller than his misfortune has already made him. I think there's more to both, more to God, more to Job. I'll admit God's reply does sound strange, maybe even dismissive. But then making God dismissive means we don't have to do the work to dig in, to find out what God is really saying to Job, what God is really saying to us. When we call others dismissive, we'd best be careful it isn't us who are dismissing them calling God dismissive here is more likely our way of dismissing God's speech 
because it isn't what we want to hear. We learn from the very beginning of this tale that God believes in Job. God has called Job his friend, and here, when Job demands a word from the Lord, God shows up. The tale beckons us. Take a closer look. Beckons us. Listen to what God has to say here. If God is not dismissing Job's questions, what might God be doing? One of mine and my husband's favorite films is the fantastic Mr. Fox. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a masterpiece in animation. The portrayal of Roald Dahl's story of a fox whose hunting habits put him and his entire animal community at risk. When his wife asks him, why'd you do it? He responds, I'm a wild animal. I think God's point to Job is much the same. Job asks about his own life and God shows Job parts of the world that have nothing to do with him. God speaks to Job about the animals. Animals he may never encounter, animals that won't be domesticated, animals that weren't created for humans to conquer or consume or even know about. God zooms way out to show Job a wild and wonderful world that cannot be contained or controlled the way Job and his friends imagine it can and should. Maybe this is what Jesus is saying too. He came not to conquer the world, but to love it up close and personal. Not to fight the world, but to bring hope and healing to it. Not to avoid the pain and suffering it would bring to him, but in his death and in his resurrection, to bring more life for us all. It's a big lesson for the disciples who are expecting a kingdom of glory, who have trouble seeing beyond their own hope for Jesus' reign, beyond their own hope for power. It's a big lesson for Job, a man who has worked so hard to bring blessings his way that we are told he offered extra sacrifices for his children just in case they sinned in their hearts. It's a big lesson for all of us who want to hold and shape and secure our own futures and those of our loved ones. Job and his friends want order operating on the idea that blessings come to those who do good and curses to those who do bad. But Ellen Davis, who spoke here just Wednesday, points out when God finally speaks and shows Job what from a divine perspective is so fascinating about the created order, it turns out to have nothing at all to do with our human moral standards. 
Instead of moral codes, God chose Job the animals. God shows Job the beauty of a creation that cannot be tamed. The generosity of a God that gives real freedom to this world and delights in her. Above right and wrong, Jesus shows us how love lifts us all and makes that line between heaven and earth a little thinner each time it's shared. God loves this wild and wondrous world full of the untamable animals, those who run free and buck human conventions, those whose way of life just looks silly to us. Jesus loves this wild and wondrous world full of humans who think we know better than God and have some serious trust issues. God answers Job's questions by posing another. Can you, Job, love what you can't control? This, of course, isn't just a question for Job. It's a question for us. Can we love friends who make decisions we don't agree with? Or children whose path we don't approve of? Can we love a church that's changing, a world we don't control? If we learn anything from the animals, it's that God can. If we learn anything from the cross, it's that Jesus does. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen. The Calvary Podcast theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.